Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. When I was a young man, many years ago, I had this recurring dream that started when I was about eight years old. And in this dream, I was always standing in a valley surrounded by mountains. And inevitably, in every dream, the mountains would turn into people, and I would be preaching to those people. So I knew from an early age that God had called me to preach and be in ministry. How many of you know, without question, that God has said something to you over the years about your future? How many of you know that? Okay. So as life went on, I think the last time maybe I had that dream was at about the age of 13. And as I grew, my dad was a pastor and I was very devoted as a young teenager to helping my dad in his church. You know, I'd get my little, we had church clothes back then. I don't know if any of you have that anymore, but we had church clothes. And you didn't wear church clothes on any day but church day. So I'd get my little tie and my little coat on and I'd go help my dad on Sundays and it was really, it was special, it was awesome. Then I turned 16 got a vehicle, you know, how you kind of venture out a little bit when you get a vehicle. And always I'd been in, uh, in church bands, and my friends and I, young men, would play music. So we had garage bands, and we'd play. And, of course, when my dad was working, and Mom never did know the difference in music too much, so we'd play a little rock and roll. She never even realized what we were doing but in these little garage bands. But uh, when I turned 16, I had a very tragic event happen and uh, it led to the loss of the life of a young person that I uh, was a good friend that I cared for. And uh, I blamed God for it. And so here is this vision of preaching, always knew I was going to preach, was never ashamed of it. I told everybody that I ever met when that, what are you going to do when you grow up? Question would always come. I'd always tell everybody I'm going to be a preacher. Uh, even when I get older, got older and dated my first person seriously, I told her I was going to be a preacher. And she liked me, but she didn't like me that much. <laughs> As things went on after this tragic event, the garage band became more of a hard rock band, and uh, we got a manager and started traveling, got a road manager who introduced the whole group to drugs, and my life just really took a downhill turn. So here's this beautiful dream that God's put in my heart, and now substance abuse and drugs, can you say detour? Detour. Detour. And then at the height of all of it, I get arrested and put in jail, and I'm facing a number of years for drugs and drug paraphernalia and such. And 
it just didn't line up with what God had said to me as a young man. Uh, the guys in my band actually referred to me. I never had a nickname in my whole life until those years of my life, and they referred to me as Preacher Man because I would always tell them, I'm going to, you know, when we're through with all this and all this is over, someday I'm going to be a preacher. That's what I'm going to do, and I always knew it. And uh, so today I want to talk to you a little bit about detour to destiny. Detour to destiny. And turn with me to Genesis, the 37th chapter. I want to use Joseph and his life as an example in this story. And Genesis 37 and verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Verse 5 says, And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. Notice that they hated him yet the more, which means they already hated him. But now because of his dreams and visions, they hated him more. And he said unto them, uh, I pray you, listen to this dream which I have dreamed. He said, For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about, and they bowed down to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. Could I just interject this? If you strike out on your first dream, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I've dreamed yet another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars, they all bowed down to me as well. Now, he couldn't just stop with his brethren on this one. He had to pull mom and dad into it. Verse 10 says, And he told to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren, shall we bow down to thee? And his brethren envied him, and his father observed the saying. So after that, in verse 12, his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And so Joseph decided to follow them. He couldn't, he didn't know where they went because they had sheep scattered about in many different areas. So he ran into a gentleman along the way and asked him, have you seen my brethren? He said, yeah, they were headed toward Shechem. And in verse 18 says, and when they saw him, his brethren, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said to one another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. Some evil beast will devour him there. In verse 23, morning came. Joseph was still alive in the pit. No beast had devoured him. He's still alive, and so in verse 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was come into his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat of many colors, and they took him and cast him into a pit, 
And the pit. Oh, okay. I already told you that part, didn't I? Look at verse 27. In the morning he was alive. They said, Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let our hand be not upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content with that. So here's a story of a young man, like many of you who raised your hand earlier, who have received a word from God about your life and about your future. Can you say detour? So in talking about detour to destiny, some of you are looking at your life this morning, right now, and you know what the word is, you know what your destiny is, but life does not match up with your destiny. There's been a detour along the way to destiny. And some of us have questions. Questions like, does God miraculously order our footsteps? Even the ones that feel like missteps. So you have to answer that question. Is God in charge of your life or are you in charge of your life? Does God order your footsteps and even your missteps? Or are you just blazing a trail out there on your own? No. He does order your steps. And yes, He even orders your missteps. When you make a misstep, God looks at it and immediately shifts into, I know where we go from here. I didn't want you here, but you're here now. I don't forsake you. I simply guide the next step after your misstep to get you moving back in the direction you need to be going. John 14 and 12 said, He that believeth in me, Jesus speaking, the works that I do he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do. How do you even believe that? How do you wrap your mind around that? In order to believe John 14 and 12, you must acknowledge the existence of a choreographer who is sequencing your every step in life. Let me say that again. In order to believe what Jesus said, you have to wrap your mind around the concept of a choreographer that is sequencing every step that you take. Okay? Geo sequenced every step today that these young men made. They didn't make one single move or do one single thing that the choreographer had not sequenced in advance. Thus, they had the unity, they had the harmony, they had the flow, and it was a beautiful presentation. People, God is the choreographer. God is the sequencer of your every step, even your missteps. Therefore, there are no coincidences. There are no accidents. There are only providences. See, every twist of fate becomes a part of the choreographed dance that is designed by God for your life. Well, this wasn't supposed to happen. I'm sorry. 
I know it doesn't look like this road is going where that road was going when God showed it to you. But whether it's a misstep of your own making or a misstep of circumstances in life isn't important. What is important is that you attitudinally understand that the choreographer is sequencing every step, even the missteps, to get you where you need to be in life. Proverbs 3 and 6 said, In all thy ways, in the good steps, in the missteps, in the good times, in the bad times, in the right choices, in the wrong choices, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy steps and thy path. Why? He's the choreographer. Why? He has sequenced every step that you make in life. So the question is, does that mean God had a part in the misstep plot in your life? And the answer is no. We don't need God's help. Absolutely not. Was he missing in action when you misstep? No. James 1 and 14 says every man, can you say every? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Missteps certainly do not need God's help. We've got it down just fine. We make plenty of them, and we don't need God's help to misstep. See, everybody wants to blame it on God. But the problem is not God. It never has been God. The problem is me, and the problem is my failure to understand the choreographer that is sequencing every step of my life, even the missteps of my life. Do you know that God has a book in heaven called Gary Smith, (laughs) Missteps? He's got a plan for this misstep, a plan for this misstep, and a plan for this misstep. And if Gary Smith is aware of that, he never winds up anywhere where God hadn't already been and prepared the next step that you're going to take. Oh, hallelujah. Feeling a little Pentecostal here this morning. You see, the algorithm of the Almighty includes free will. And free will is to the believer what free radicals are to the atom. It's the free radicals that make the atom volatile and explosive. It's the free will of mankind that makes you and I volatile and prone to make these missteps. So what we need is we need an attitude like Joseph. (laughs) Joseph, you know, he had shared the visions with everybody. They hated him for it. He knew, 
you know, where he was going and what God was going to do with his life, but all of a sudden detour to destiny. All these detours began to happen in his pursuit of that destiny that God had showed to him. So what we need is we need, just like Joseph, we need a Genesis 50-20 moment. Joseph looked at it all and said to the devil, you meant it unto me for evil, but the Lord meant it for good. He had a misstep book with my name on it, and he knew the next step that I was going to take. He already choreographed it, sequenced it, and even though I blew it, God knows where I'm going for him. I'm not out of the game. I'm not out of the race. Now, I know this is old and squeezed out, but your attitude determines your altitude. And so if you know these things, you never catch yourself in a place where you feel like God is not guiding you and leading you, even if you're stupid. I mean, you can't be so stupid that God can't get you out of what you get in most of the time. Amen? Amen? But you've got to know that. You've got to have, attitudinally, you've got to understand that. And if you understand that, you'll be able to rise and ascend above every misstep in your life. You'll never crash and burn because you'll know God already has choreographed and sequenced your next step out of your misstep. See, if the choreographer is sequencing every step of your life, then you go nowhere by accident. And wherever you go, wherever you wind up, God is already there waiting on you. He's been there, prepared the way for you. And wherever you are, God will allow you to have a purpose in that position. You mean something that stupid that got me in this? God could make a purpose and create a purpose so that the next step that I make will be a step of purpose out of the misstep? In verse 3, you know, we read that Israel, Joseph's dad made him a coat of many colors. He loved him so much. Joseph dreamed his dreams, shared them with his brothers, and they were so offended. Mom and dad were so offended, and You need to really be careful who you share your dreams with when God speaks to you. You know, what God was doing was imparting a futuristic vision to Joseph about his life. He was pulling back the curtain of time and allowing Joseph to get a glance of who he would be someday in the ministry. Who he would be in the kingdom of God. It was fully and totally supernatural. And in verse 23, the Bible said, Then his brothers stripped him of his coat of many colors. Some of you are sitting here today. I don't even have to ask you who you are. I know who you are. I can look in every section and just see, that's me on your face. You've been stripped of your coat of many colors. And you're going, what about me? Did you ever see that old movie, What About Bob? Yeah. It was, what about me? 
everything in his life was, what about Bob? What about Bob? What about Bob? Isn't that the way we are? What about me? All of a sudden, he's stripped of his coat of many colors. Have you ever felt stripped of the vision that God gave you? Have you ever just felt dressed down and stripped of everything that God showed you in life? And on top of that, they cast him into the pit. Can you say detour? What does it mean? Detour to destiny. They're everywhere. Following a vision that God gives you is like walking through a minefield. Verse 31, they took Joseph's coat of many color. It wasn't bad enough that they stripped him of it. Stripped him of all of his dignity stripped him of everything, but they took his coat of many colors and they dipped it in the blood of an animal that they had slain and they carried it to Israel, his father, and said, here, Joseph, your son is dead. Detour. Even Israel had the highest hopes for Joseph. You know why Israel made Joseph that coat of many colors? Same reason when my little grandson was up here dancing on the stage. I know who he is. I know where he's going. I know what he's going to be in God. And if I had the ability to do it, I'd make him a coat of many colors. So even the dream that the father had for the son evaporated and vanished in the detour. And the next day when he wasn't dead in the pit, they sold him to this Midianite uh, merchant train traveling to Egypt for 20 pieces of silver. When he got there, verse 36 said, the Midianites put Joseph upon the slave block. And they sold him to Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Can you say detour? That's not where I'm going. I belong over there. God, you showed me, God. I'm supposed to be there. What am I doing here on this slave block? I've been a free man all my life. I'm not a slave. You mean I'm going to spend the rest of my life in servitude now? When you clearly showed me? in those two visions, who I was going to be and what I was going to be. So he was sold to Potiphar, and in verse 30, uh, chapter 39, verse 4 said, And Joseph found grace in the eyes of Potiphar, his master, and he made him the overseer of all of his house, verse 6, and Joseph was a godly person, well favored. Can you say, finally... Oh, now, God, we're getting somewhere. Finally, you know, after being stripped of my coat of many colors, cast in the pit, sold to the slave train, sold on the auction block, bought by Potiphar, finally we're getting around to all these people bowing down to me. Till you get to verse 4. Or verse 7, and Potiphar's wife, 
cast her eyes upon Joseph. Now let's move back up here. Joseph found favor in the sight of Potiphar, his master, and he was made the overseer of all that Potiphar had. Everything was under his control. Joseph was a godly person and well-favored and had a vision and had a destiny. And she cast her eyes upon him and said, lie with me. Come on. Lie with me. Can you say detour? Is everybody getting this? And then the woman, verse 14, she cried out in her house, this Hebrew that my husband brought into the house has raped me. And I screamed with a loud voice. Verse 20, and Potiphar took Joseph and he put him into the king's prison. Can you say detour? Wow. I thought finally. Anybody getting this? You better get it. So he gets put in prison. Verse 22, 23. Well, my life's really gone to hell now. Detour, detour, detour. Now I'm, I've reached the pit of hell. I'm in prison. Verse 22, 23. And the keeper of the prison looked at Joseph and committed to his hand all the prisoners in the prison because the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord made him to prosper. Can you say finally? And while he was there, running everything, see, you still get glimpses all along the detours. You know, you can... You can, you can be a slave, but you can be the top slave. You can be in the prisoner, but you can be the top guy in the prison. God just keeps giving you these little glimpses along the way. So the, king, uh, the king's butler, and any of you guys ever watch Downton Abbey? Boy, what a great, you know, that, that is a butler right there. If you want to learn to butt, watch that show. That is a real butler right there. It is just the coolest, some of this aristocratic stuff was really cool, you know. I, not that I endorse it, but it's fun to watch anyway and think about. It. It's like a fairy tale. So the butler is thrown into to prison with Joseph, and the head baker is thrown into prison with Joseph. Don't you love how Christians today dance around the truth of God? They, make, they have to make everything palatable you know, for you. So they both dreamed dreams the first night they were cast into the prison. And somebody said, well, you know, Joseph, he interprets dreams. God uses him in that way. My wife is used in that way as well. She doesn't need any extra work, though. But uh, so he interpreted the dream of the butler, and he interpreted the dream of the baker. I love this. He told the butler, hey, three days from now, you're going to be released from prison and uh, you're going to be raised up and put back in your old position. And boy, he was excited. Then he looked at the baker and said, three days from now, you're going to be removed from prison and the king's going to hang you. We'd have given some kind of puffy prophecy to the guy. We wouldn't have told him like that. But Joseph just told him that's what's going to happen. And you know what? That's exactly 
what did happen. Pharaoh's chief butler, chief baker, and so three days later, Butler was released, restored on Pharaoh's birthday. Three days later was Pharaoh's birthday. He was restored. He got back to doing all of his button. And the baker, he was released and they hung him. Verse 23 said, however. Everybody say, however. however. Now you know something's coming after that. Is it going to be finally? <laughs> or is it going to be detour? However, the chief butler did not, see Joseph said, look guy, I've done you a big turn here. When you get before Pharaoh and you're, you know, you're, you're button for him, you know, remember me. Don't forget me. I'm the guy that gave you a hand here. However, the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Can you say, uh-oh? Uh-oh. But you know, things have a way when the choreographer has sequenced every step of your life. Yeah. You know, you interpreted this dream, interpreted this dream, and then Genesis 41 and 1 said, after two years. Can everybody say two years? Two years. You can not only look forward to a number of detours, but you can look forward to sometimes it taking years to recover from those detours, to get you to the ultimate. See, that valley there with that mountain that turned into people that I was preaching to, sometimes it takes years to get there. So in Genesis 41 and 1, after two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Isn't this interesting? He dreamed there was seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. Then he had another dream, that there were seven fat ears of corn and seven skinny ears of corn, and the seven skinny ears of corn ate the seven fat ears of corn. And they brought all the magicians and all the wise men in to interpret his dream, and nobody can interpret it. Nobody knew what it meant. And then in verse 9... Here's the way the choreographer who sequences every step of your life works. In verse 9, the chief butler said, Oh, Pharaoh, I remember an old boy in prison a few years ago that had the anointing on him and interpreted a dream for me. In verse 14, and Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Can you say, finally... Verse 25, Joseph told him, he said, the seven skinny cows that ate the seven fat cows represents a time of famine in the land. And the seven fat ears of corn that were eaten by the seven skinny ears of corn also represents that famine. So seven of each, you're going to have seven years of feast and seven years of plenty. Here's what God says to do. 
build granaries all over Egypt, which happened to be the world-dominating power in that ancient society at that time, build granaries all over Egypt, appoint governors over them, and for seven years take one-fifth of all the grain that is grown throughout your empire all over the world and put it in these granaries and guard it. When the seven years of famine come, there will be enough for all of Egypt and all of the nations round about so they won't go to war for food. And in verse 41 and 42, Joseph said, or Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have set thee, and right now, I'm doing it right now, I have set you right now, over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his signet ring and put his ring on Joseph's hand and said, your voice from this day forward everywhere in the kingdom will be just like my voice except in this palace I have the final word. But when you speak, it's me speaking and all you do is just hold that ring up. Can you say... Destiny. Can you say destiny? destiny? Look how long it took to get from detour to destiny. And some of you have been really giving God a hard time. You don't go anywhere by accident. Wherever you go, God has already been there, made preparation for you. He has your next step fully planned out. See, the challenge is to recognize that the choreographer has already synchronized your every step in life. And can I just say this, that destiny requires humility. It's hard to be stripped of your coat of many colors, your name and your influence and your position and everything you have in life. It requires humility. It's hard after you have been stripped of everything and you're naked and afraid and to be cast into a pit of loneliness and be more alone than anybody has ever been in life. It requires humility. It's hard for any free man to be made a slave and to live in servitude for years and years of his life. It takes humility. It's hard to be lied on and accused of rape and other false crimes and accusations when you know you're innocent. It requires humility. It's hard to be found guilty and sentenced and imprisoned for something you did not do. It requires humility. It's hard to give your time and your effort and your energy in helping the butler and the baker and helping other people solve their problems in life to be forgotten and overlooked and abandoned by the very people that you reached out to. It takes humility. It's hard to endure years of misdirection and missteps and detours. It takes humility. It's hard to be called to the king's palace and be put under the pressure to produce an answer to the vision or to the dreams. However, when you fully realize that the choreographer of the universe has sequenced every step of your life, even the missteps, you never find yourself in a place where you're not assured that he has your next step already planned out. So can I just say this to you in closing? 
Every day when I get up, the first thing I do is have my prayer time. Every day, without fail. I'm going to do that and always do that before I do anything else. And let me tell you why. Because having spoke to the king of the universe in the morning, it's no problem to speak with any earthly king or earthly power broker in this life in the afternoon. Because he sequences every step of my day. When you meet God in the mornings, it matters little who else you might meet for the balance of the day. Detours are a part of your destiny. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.